Welcome to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark, your host today. We have a very interesting format today. Sometimes I interview politicians, but sometimes I interview candidates too. And that's what we're doing today. I'm interviewing all three candidates for King, our representative for King County Council. I have with me, I'll start with the incumbent, Kathy Lambert. She represents Issaquah, Sammamish, Redmond, parts of Woodenville, and all the rural and eastern areas of the county north of I-90. Prior to becoming a council member, Lambert was a school teacher and a state legislator. She built the reputation for thoroughly understanding the issues and working with other elected officials to pass needed legislation. The other guest that I have, we're going to go to Joe Cohen now. Um, there is no, this is random order, by the way. Um, Joe has uh, attended political science at Western Washington University. Then he went to Washington, D.C. and joined Senator Maria Cantwell's legislative staff. He then went on to join the Obama White House, where he helped shape national policy as uh, on drugs and addiction, including the opioid epidemic, marijuana, and synthetic drugs. And our third guest, and of course, I, my, I, my little sticky thing went away here, Sarah, so give, forgive me while I flip through papers. Sarah Perry is a small business owner and seasoned executive in the nonprofit and government sectors. She's an enthusiastic coalition builder. She's known for her expertise in creating strong foundations of civic collaboration and engagement as uh, to build uh, progress in communities, both locally and throughout the region. As you may have guessed, I took all of those introductions from their own websites. So you have their opinions of who they are and their uh, explanations of their backgrounds. Kathy, thank you for joining us. Thank you, glad to be here. Sarah, thank you for being here. Thank you, appreciate it. Good, and Joe, thank you for coming. Thanks for the opportunity. You're welcome. I have some pretty tough questions. And so what I think I'd like to do, um, if you don't mind, is I would like to spend one minute asking each of you to elaborate on your background for our listeners. Joe, let's start with you. Sure, you covered a little bit of it, but I have a lot of experience in law and policy. And as you mentioned, it started uh, 15 years ago when I got into uh, policy work, uh, working for Senator Cantwell on behalf of all Washingtonians, where I worked for uh, most on criminal justice and transportation issues. For context, that was a time when uh, the 520 bridge replacement funding uh, was in jeopardy and, and it was a big issue in our state. Uh, we're always in, in need of transportation funding, uh, it seems like. Uh, I then worked for the Department of Justice uh, for about six and a half years where I led oversight investigations into government and mostly into the law enforcement uh, agencies under the DOJ's umbrella. And as you mentioned, I worked in the Obama White House on drug policy. Unfortunately, a lot of the drug issues that were back then are with us here in King County, opioid epidemic, heroin addiction, uh, fentanyl, which is on the rise and, and the overdoses there. I'm also an attorney. I am a telecom attorney and it's actually, I should mention, it's nice to be with a local independent radio station. I've done a lot of work representation of, of local independent stations. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, and I understand the importance. Thank you. And thank you for complimenting the station. We, we consider us an asset to the community. <laughs> I'm glad you do too. Let's yes. go to Sarah. One minute, please. Uh, so Sarah Perry, I'm very excited to be here. And uh, I have a history of uh, working. I've lived in Issaquah. Let me just start there. I lived there for 21 years and six years in North Bend. And I was the first executive director at Eastside Housing in Redmond on Avondale. Uh, so I've been very much around the district for uh, for a long time, very engaged in the district and, um, and uh, have worked with um, 
the School of Theology and Ministry at Seattle University in Interreligious Dialogue and as Director of University Initiatives. I really enjoyed that. And after that, I worked for uh, Social Venture Partners International, working on uh, supporting 42 different uh, sites in nine countries with their work in supporting the um, highest, uh, the issue of most importance for their cities with uh, nonprofit organizations and philanthropists. Uh, and then I, I was working with the uh, House and the Senate uh, the, the, to support uh, civic engagement in the 5th Legislative District, in the 25th Legislative District, and the 17th Legislative District to help flip the district and elect. Uh, Thank you very much, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go on to Kathy Lambert. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. My background is that I was a school teacher and then I later went and worked in the House of Representatives. I worked on budget issues and criminal justice issues. Um, did a lot of work on rewriting the domestic violence bills for this, this state. On the council, I have worked on a number of programs. Um, the FERS program, which is a program for helping children through domestic violence issues, TRACE for kids in, in crisis, Safe Place for, again, kids in crisis, developing the community court system. And also um, I have worked for this district for a number of years and built an extensive network with the great residents of our district and hope to continue doing that. Okay, thank you for being concise. And thank you all, uh, all three of you for elaborating a little bit on what I read about you on your websites. Let's start in with the questions because as I said, I have several and I wanna make sure we can address them all. But before we do that, I think in the interest of fairness, I need to give my usual caveat that I'm talking with all three of you about King County and I hate King County. So just so that we all know this, um, <laughs> and so the listeners realize this, so you may find a very cantankerous interview going on here. Um, I am, I've lived in the King County, unincorporated King County for 42 years and they have not created an endearing relationship with me. So that being said, you'll kind of know where I'm coming through from with some of my questions. The other thing that I'd like to be open about is, um, gosh, the jargon, civic engagement, community leader. Um, it, I, I, I see all of these political ads and websites and I think, can anybody just speak English? And my favorite, my absolute favorite to dislike is Washingtonians. When did we all become Washingtonians instead of, thank you, Governor Inslee, instead of Washington residents? Um, it's kind of a language deficit, I think. Um, when did shots become shots in arms? When, you know, everything, you know, everything seems to be jargon now and everybody picks it up and everybody uses it. So that being said, that's another one of my dislikes. And if you can avoid jargon as much as possible, I would really appreciate it. Sarah, I'm going to start with you since I'm ragging on. Um, uh, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, civic, civil engagement. What does that mean? I go to the grocery store and I talk with the lady next to me and I get her all in a swivet because of the things on the high shelves that we short people can't reach. Is yeah. that civic engagement? What is civic engagement? Yeah, I mean, I am so excited about how people are becoming involved in the issues that they care about. They're showing up and they're talking about it. That is civic engagement where, and you know, you, you may not like something, but instead of not doing anything, you're actually showing up, you're educating yourself, you're learning about the legislative process. When is it important to talk 
to a legislator and about what in the process of when a bill might be coming through or the county council members? How do you get engaged instead of just sitting there frustrated um, about issues that you may or may not know about, getting involved, picking up the phone, talking to folks and go, taking that next step? That is so exciting because that is the way we make progress. That is civic engagement. Participating in your community. Okay. Joe, what do you see as civic engagement, civil, civic engagement and how important is it in your campaign views? Obviously, it's extremely important and it can take a lot of different forms. And some examples, it, it can be political, it can be part of a, a local political group uh, affiliated with a certain party. Uh, you can also have a particular interest. For example, if you're interested in parks and trails, you can be, you can join an organization uh, that's interested in advocating for uh, parks and trails and, and, and the environment. There's, there's all sorts of civic en engagement. Uh, and it's up to our elected leaders to make sure that we're listening to all of those particular interests and getting other people involved who aren't part of, uh, maybe they're not, they wanna get a part of a particular organization uh, and getting those people involved. Uh, because there are there is power in numbers, and sometimes the loudest voices get the most attention. But as an elected leader, you have to be able to cut through some of that and understand that there are other voices out there that may not be as vocal, and also uh, get them involved and to understand their interests. Thank you, Joe. Kathy? Thank you. Well, I think engagement is about relationship. You need to listen to the constituents and to know them, to know their wants, so that you can help them to engage in a place where they can make a difference. And one person can make a difference. I have lots of examples where one person came to me with an issue and was able to make that change. So it's improving our everyday lives. Sometimes it can be in little ways and sometimes it's in big ways, but each person has a part in civic engagement. And it's very exciting to see all the new modalities that people can use, whether it's you know texting something or emailing or, coming to a parade or in my case, a grocery store. I've met a lot of people in the grocery store. So it's the engagement of connecting, whether it's with elected officials or with your neighbors or with um, other people that have similar interests on a particular topic to be able to make that clear where there's a need so that those that are elected can help fill that need with the collaboration of you and your friends. Thank you, Kathy. That being said, that launches my next question. Issaquah is a small town, or it used to be, it's getting bigger. Um, North Bend is a small town, but they're different sizes. Duval is different size, and we have a lot of rural areas. This legislative district or um, uh, council district has a variety of population centers. What do you see as the difference or what do you see as a challenge to meeting the needs of all of those different populations within this county council district. Joe? You have to understand that what you just said, that every area in this district is different. You mentioned Issaquah, so about 37,000, and it's growing. But Issaquah is different from Sammamish, which is right next to it, uh, which is over 60,000 at this point, which is different from Redmond and North Bend and Soquami. All of these different cities and the unincorporated areas have different uh, things that are going on uh, and different interests uh, and are in different stages of their growth. So it's really about understanding each individual community and working with the people in that community on what their interests are, where they want to go, where their community wants, they want to go with their community, their particular community. 
because it's not going to be all the same. You can't treat uh, every area in this district the same. And you, we didn't even mention Skykomish, which is uh, by Stevens Pass. It has its own particular set of interests uh, that are very different from uh, very different from the other parts of the district. So how do you propose to balance, if you are an elected council person, how do you propose to balance those differing needs? Well, it's about understanding and, and communicating with the, with the different uh, communities. Uh, with, and it's elected leaders. Of course, you elect leaders for a reason. Uh, and you understand uh, the positions of the elected leaders, but also getting uh, on the ground and talking with the different groups uh, and people uh, in the community. And we're all doing that right now. Uh, you mentioned Issaquah. I was out in Issaquah yesterday door knocking, uh, getting to the people. You have to go to the people uh, to get their opinions on, uh, Thank on you. all the different matters because you, you're really not going to be able to represent this district unless you understand it. Okay, great. Good point. Sarah, what about you? So, uh, yeah, it's a great question. So, um, in our district, um, 24% of our district is in Sammamish and 23% in Redmond, 16% in Issaquah, right? And so, and then the rest we have in the smattering, North Bend 7%, Snoqualmie 6%. So we're looking at these different pieces. In the middle of all this, Sammamish uh, has no unincorporated area. Redmond in our district, 31% is, or 31 uh, precincts are in the city and 33 are outside of, they're in the unincorporated area. Our entire space of Woodenville is unincorporated. So, you know, when you think about the district and you know two thirds of it, folks are living in the, um, the city limits and one third is outside of the city limits. It's really important that you're paying attention to both of those and protecting the space. I, this is such an amazing place with these smaller towns. I love North Bend, I love Snoqualmie, I love the gem that's Carnation and Duval and Woodenville. These are charming and wonderful and we have to protect the spaces and bring forward everything they offer. And they're very unique from Issaquah, Redmond and Sammamish. Those larger cities have their own identification but they're much, much larger and the smaller town feel is part of the charm of Issaquah, Redmond and Sammamish. Protecting and supporting the, the other spaces that we have um, is critical to who we are together as a district. So I really, I'm meeting once a month with each of the mayors, whether they love me or love Kathy or love us both. I'm, they're, they're giving me great information. I'm learning a lot about the uniqueness of the, the needs in these communities. And it's really about just going down into the different spaces and paying attention to the priorities of the identity of each of these communities and being, being a good listener and being a good leader for their priorities. Okay, if I could correct you at the moment, Woodenville is incorporated. There is an incorporated city of Woodenville. Woodenville, the only space that this district covers in Woodenville is the unincorporated precincts. To be, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. All right. That being said, um, Kathy. Thank you. I think it's about um, networking and relationships. You know, with your own children, you know that they're each different, even though gave birth to them. They grew up in the same house, the same area. Um, they're all different. And so being aware of what is their flavor, what is their personality, what do they cherish inside of their community and helping them to preserve that, listening to them, um, knowing what they're already doing. So often I hear people say, well, this community should do X. And I'm thinking, 
geez, I did that two years ago and it's, it's working because people don't always know outside um, what's going on inside the cities. And so I think being there, being in activities, being approachable, um, knowing that um, your elected officials and your community know that they can get a hold of you. I know that the mayors out in the valley always tease that they know definitely I'm on that I'm on their speed dial and they're on my speed dial. Um, so as you are going around your district, keeping your eyes open and seeing where things are different so that the community knows you're involved and you deeply care about what goes on into their communities and are there to support them. Thank you, Kathy. Following up on that question, what is your experience living in rural spaces? Kathy? Thank you. Well, I, I don't live in a rural space. Um, I have owned property in a rural space on a lake. And so I've dealt with shoreline issues. I've done deal with docking issues. And, but having represented um, a rural area for this many years, um, the farmers have been very generous with their time and teaching me all kinds of things. I was very in, in, involved in the farm pads from the very beginning as we dealt with the flooding a couple of years ago and losing many of the cows in the valley. So um, helping with the farm pad legislation and being able to deal with that with all the different agencies that were involved. So getting to know the people in the rural areas and their lifestyle, their needs, and not only their needs, but their animals needs too, is really important. And so I do spend a lot of time um, out in the rural areas. And especially we do have two towns in our area. The others are cities in the rural area, but we do have two towns, Fall City being one and um, Snoqualmie being the other, um, Snoqualmie Pass. So I do attend all of the Fall City meetings and have for many, many years. So that I know um, because they don't really have a mayor, the executive is actually their mayor. And so as a council member, um, I'm de facto the mayor. Um, luckily now they have a Fall City president, which we work very closely together. But making sure that these little towns know that they have representation, who cares about them, is there for them, and immediately gets to work on their issues. Thank you. Um, Joe. Yes, that's exactly, that's exactly right. You have to be present uh, with all of the different communities, particularly communities in rural uh, unincorporated parts of the district. So I live, I live in uh, Issaquah. I grew up in the Crossroads area of Bellevue. So I haven't lived in a rural part of the district. And that's why it's particularly important uh, to be there and to talk with everybody uh, in those areas. And as we mentioned before, all of the different parts of this district uh, are different. Uh, whether you're talking about unincorporated uh, rural areas or incorporated rural areas. Uh, we mentioned Skycomish before. Uh, you've got to get up there. Uh, it might be a long drive, but you got to get up there uh, and talk with the people and all the different organizations uh, and get on the ground uh, to really understand uh, what individuals uh, are going through uh, at that particular time. Because a lot of a lot of those in those parts of uh, unincorporated areas and rural areas, uh, they don't see their voices uh, heard as much as those in uh, in the cities uh, because their populations not, might not be as high. Uh, but uh, the King County Council uh, has direct jurisdiction over unincorporated King County. So it's incredibly important for whoever was ever uh, in this seat uh, to pay particularly close attention 
to those issues going on in unincorporated parts of the county. Okay, thank you, Joe. Sarah, have you? I lived in uh, for six years in North Bend, and I really enjoyed that. Raised my kids there. Um, founded the Skyview Indoor Playground there. There, and um, I'm a big fan of unincorporated King County. I live in Issaquah now, uh, but I am a big fan of the beauty, the communities, the small town feel, and uh, want to protect that. And I, in order to do that, you need to have people engaged. And over the last five, six years, I have spent a lot of time electing uh, candidates that are very supportive of our communities. And I probably, I don't know, I've knocked on maybe 10,000 doors over that time and a great amount of that time spent out throughout the unincorporated areas. And I'm enjoying that now in Woodenville and Duval, Fall City, um, you know, areas around uh, Carnation, Snoqualmie, North Bend. So I'm very, and there's 400 voters in Skycomish. There's a, there is a space there and we need to make sure that we're there as well. Um, but I'm, I've spent a great deal of time in uh, these communities and, um, you know, it's, it is about um, participating uh, wherever you can in, in the communities and developing relationships. I think a lot of times we end up with folks participating and speaking um, who, who represent a certain area only. And so you really do lose the, the voice of critical part of our community. So for me, that's very important. And we've worked really hard to make sure that we have all of those voices represented in the different, um, I'm going to use the word civic engagement work that we've done over the years. Uh, and it's been very fruitful. And we have all kinds of folks in Fall City, all kinds of folks in, in Duval and in Woodenville. And it's exciting. It's exciting to hear their interests, their difference. And um, some of our community parades, our community festivals, um, you know, th these are cherished spaces in our small towns. And we represent that. And it's worth protecting. It's worth fighting for. All right. Thank you, Sarah. We're going to take our first break. We'll be back after this. You're listening to Valley 104.9 FM, your station for Northwest eclectic music. Hi, I'm Seth Shostak, and I'm an actual scientist, although I don't wear a white lab coat. Maybe a straight jacket. I'm Molly Bentley. I'm a science journalist, and we are your hosts on Big Picture Science, bringing you the latest from the labs every week. So join us Thursdays at 6 p.m. for the coolest in science and technology, Big Picture Science. That's Thursdays at 6 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9 FM. Welcome back to Valley Talk. I'm Heather Stark, and I'm here with our three contenders for our King County representative uh, race that's coming up. And um, we left off when uh, I asked all of the three candidates whether they had ever lived in rural areas and uh, what their, their view was of trying to represent the uh, rural areas as well as the more urban areas. Now I'm going to ask some questions that uh, might be a little little bit more difficult to answer succinctly, but I'm going to ask you to try. What do you, what do you see as the benefit of having a uh, rural representative or a rural services department at King County? That's a relatively new development. Um, what, what do you see as the benefits or drawbacks or, you know, uh, fallout of that, if you will? Sarah? Oh, I, I think it's huge. I think having it was really super smart. I'm very appreciative of those that were involved in that, present company included, and uh, have had some great conversations with the director, John Taylor, uh, having a space where people can go uh, in King County for unincorporated King County residents uh, to talk to somebody who actually knows what's going on and will spend the time and, and, and understands the depth and the layers involved is critical. And we have 
uh, so much uh, going in roads and bridges and property, our land, so many issues going on in unincorporated King County. And if you don't understand what's happening with it, there's no possible way you can help our residents because it just takes, it's, it's too involved. And so uh, we're really lucky with this fine hire. I think he's terrific and uh, provides the information that you might need and is, and is a, a really important resource so that uh, we actually can, can make some progress going forward. And he's able to provide things uh, to us in a succinct way so that we will get potentially and hopefully uh, more progress in supporting our roads and bridges and supporting our land use needs and all of those pieces because of his ability to pull all that together and hold it for us. Okay, Kathy, what is your response to that? Thank you. Um, yes, the um, formation of the Department of Local Services was something that I worked on. Um, I was on the hiring committee for John Taylor and so I truly appreciate him. He has done amazing work. We talk on a very regular basis. Um, and one of, I told him that one of the things about him that he has the second favorite three words. My first favorite three words are from my husband, I love you. And John's are, I'm on it. So those are my second favorite three words because he can help when there's an issue. I just call him up and say, okay, who, who do we need to bring together to solve this problem? And he's on it. So it's been a wonderful couple of years having this ability. He has activated the CSAs, the community service areas uh, meetings so that there are more opportunities. He has days in the libraries where different people are out in the libraries around the county. Um, we have put our permitting out in Snoqualmie um, in the substation there uh, for the last couple of years. Uh, we're looking at even doing some more innovative things about making that mobile potentially so that we can get out to the people and save them time away from their farms or their businesses by going out to them. So there are lots of important people who are really now focused um, solely before they were not focused solely on local issues, but Jim Chan at the head of permitting Tricia Davis, um, who is head of roads, and of course, John, who's the director. And they have lots of good people. And we really saw some great uptakes in many areas, but with the last snow, they did some amazing things uh, because they focused all the equipment for the county in very new ways because they have a director that has direct control over those assets out of the executive branch. So John and I work very closely together. Thank you, Kathy. Joe? Yeah, so it's a great idea. And it's all about implementation in government. And obviously, it's uh, we've only got a few years now where the department has been in place. Uh, and good work has been done. I think we can do more. I think we can do more on getting the word out to those in unincorporated parts of the county uh, to make sure that they know that they have a what should be a one-stop shop where they can go uh, and in addition to their local representative. Because as I mentioned before, the unincorporated parts of the county, uh, are, their local government is, the, is King County. So they should have access, uh, they should have immediate access to their representative, and they should also have immediate access to local services, someone who can answer a question, whether it's about the pothole in front of their house or the stop sign that went down or, or snow on the ground, any of these sort of things that a local government would provide and that is provided when you live in a city 
that is provided by that city government, uh, these people don't have, and that's us, that's King County. Uh, so they should have really direct asset access and they and there's more work to be done on, on, on educating people that, that they can have uh, the thing call number uh, and have that sort of access uh, in addition to their local representative. Okay, thank you, Joe. Um, one of the things that is, um, has, there's been a, several things that have changed over the years with King County. One of them is the way we get a sheriff and we're gonna talk about that next. But before that, we also have, um, King County Council used to be a political office. It had people ran under their political party and their political affiliations. But a few years ago, or several years ago now, that became nonpartisan. Some people see that as a very important thing. Some people do not. What is your, how important do you think partisanship is in the King County Council? Joe? Yeah, no, I agree that uh, with the change to nonpartisan positions. Uh, I don't consider myself a, a particularly partisan person. At the end of the day, whoever represents this area should be doing what is in the best interests of the constituents, the people that this person represents. Uh, and political considerations, whatever party you may be a part of, should not be included in that decision-making process. Uh, so I completely agree with it. Obviously, you cannot get away with uh, you cannot get away from uh, politics, uh, even on a, a council. Uh, there's a lot of city councils, this county council, they're nonpartisan positions, but sometimes do sometimes politics do uh, play into things. Uh, but if I was in this seat, uh, they would not at all. Okay, Sarah. Yeah, it's a very important question. Thank you for that, Heather. I think it's important, uh, you know, it's very clear who, who stands where on council. Folks know who leans Dem and who leans Republican. That's very clear, even though it is nonpartisan. Uh, it is no secret. Uh, and uh, recently I was called a radical centrist by the Brotherhood of Locomotives. I don't know if that's a term, um, but I was uh, called radical centrist because what I really want is for people to, I don't want all Democrat or Republican, men or women, white or people of color, gay or straight. I want people who are grounded in their positions bringing forward conversations that they feel strongly about, but that they, that they want to move forward together with. They're not looking for a fight. I want, I want everybody at that table and in that conversation. So I'm very interested in working together for the best solution for all. Um, and I want people to be fully who they are and grounded in who they are and where they are and, and just bring that forward for the conversation, knowing it's like a marriage. No, I don't agree with everything that uh, my husband says. He doesn't agree with everything I say. And we work together and we move forward because we're committed to our relationship and to moving forward. And I think that's the same thing. If you're committed to the greater good and serving in the greater good, then you want the best ideas to come forward. And that is my commitment. And, you know, regardless of where you where you stand in your political affiliations. Kathy. Thank you. Well, I I was here before it was um, declared nonpartisan and afterwards. <clears throat> and so I will say that being nonpartisan is a much better idea. Everybody should be getting the same kind of information at the same time. So we now have our caucuses jointly so that everybody's informed and we tell each other what we're going to be working on in the next couple of weeks so that we can say, oh, Council member X is going to do that. That's of interest to me. I'll call them later and tell them I wanna help them or give information. Um, and so it's, it's very helpful. 
local government is all about unity and about focus and getting the job done. A person doesn't, a pothole doesn't care what political party or what affiliation you are in any aspect. I think that we are really hurting our culture by looking at ways that we can divide and have our, our specific needs as opposed to let's all be together, look how we can unify. And then we can talk about, you know, in the legislature, there was like 90% of the votes that came through unanimous on the final vote. And that was so exciting because it showed good work that we could get to whatever the number was, 90, 92, whatever, in unity. And then the things on the end, we can talk about those at another time, but let's focus on what we can do collaboratively together and move things forward for everybody's good. And I think that that's what the King County Council has done. You very rarely see anything in the newspaper about hostilities in, in the council because we really try to be open and to share each other's needs and um, work together. Thank you, Kathy. But those needs are so different and the way we interpret each person's needs are so different. I may think that my needs would be best met if I had a, um, a round the clock gardener. You may think that my needs would be better met if I paid my medical bills. Um, those things, you know, I, I appreciate, well, I appreciate, you know, the campaign talk, which you always all have to do. Um, and I, I do appreciate that, but let's be honest, you know, our basic core beliefs are very different based on our life experiences. And I think that, um, that's something that we have to look at as voters. How does this person's outlook match my outlook on what we should be doing, doing and what's important and what will be of value? So I'll just throw that in there because it's my show and I can. Um, <laughs> so, okay. Um, one final general question before I start getting into more specific things that you probably prepared to answer. One of my favorite phrases to say is that King County and certain members of the King County uh, Council um, want to be Seattle when they grow up. They just think that's the best thing ever. Some of the stuff Seattle's doing is just great. And every time Seattle does something that a lot of people think is outrageous, King County Council jumps on board and says, we can do that even more. Tell me your view of what I just said, Joe. Yeah, you hear this, this talk a lot. It's often, you, you're just talking about politics. And it's often used in political attacks, trying to, trying to tie people to Seattle, which is, is kind of a lazy attack in my, in my opinion. It's used by essentially everybody in the state uh, on a particular side. Uh, so we are very unique here in East King County. We have our own unique perspective and we have unique perspectives within unique perspectives as we have talked about. Uh, there are a lot of different cities there are a lot of different areas in this district that have their own perspectives and we have to understand all of them. Uh, when it comes to Seattle, uh, take it issue by issue. Uh, I don't think you can uh, generalize. Uh, you know, there's, you know, there's these issues like defunding the police, which I definitely do not agree with. I think it was a knee jerk reaction. Uh, and even those on the Seattle city council are having uh, trouble, uh, those who have to subscribe to it on the city council are having trouble implementing it because it's just not a practical solution uh, to what is a, a real problem in policing in this country. Uh, so we've got to take it issue by issue, uh, but I don't like the generalizations. 
we do have our unique issue and we need a representative who understands uh, that we have unique perspectives uh, on this side. Okay, Kathy? So I think that there are some real concerns with what um, you're talking about. The first one is obviously to defund the police. That has caused a lot of instability. A lot of um, city council members, mayors, citizens are very concerned when they start talking about defund the police because many of our cities are contract cities with the counties. So for instance, um, the Amherst Police Department is actually King County Sheriff's, Sheriff's employees um, that are on loan to Woodenville and Sammamish and Carnation and also um, Skycomish. So that is very disconcerting to them. And defunding the police is the exact opposite of what we need to be doing. We need to be increasing them so that we can have counselors, so that we can have um, drug counselors and alcohol counselors, that we can bring the services. In the last budget, I added a program called RADAR which is a counselor that goes along with the sheriff's deputy to the calls. And then the radar counselor is able then to bring in whatever social services are needed. So the sheriff right now is in the process of hiring the new radar counselors. And many of the cities are hoping that in the next contract that they can also expand into their services. So, you know, there was a big push that, that happened in Seattle. And, and some people say when, Seattle gets a cold, the rest of the county sneezes. And so they were very concerned about that. Yesterday, there was a debate that should never have happened on a silly issue that went on way too long. And that was simply to say that in our new planning policies out to the year 2050, that we should think about keeping the unincorporated areas sustainable. That's kind of like, of course we should, but that was a huge debate and several people did not like the idea. Of, of doing that. So, um, you know, there are opportunities where the city of Seattle, um, as in yesterday, uh, made comments that I don't think hardly anybody in our district would say that, that we shouldn't be focusing on the unincorporated area being sustainable. Um, the issue with school siting um, came up again yesterday that um, they don't want any new schools in the unincorporated area unless you are connected to an existing school. And one of the school districts who's recently talked to me about this said that the cost of their newest school was so much higher than it would have been um, had they been able to build the school closest to their rural kids. Okay, so, thank you, Kathy. I'm gonna cut yes. you off there, okay? Okay, that's fine. Um, Sarah. Heather, would you repeat the question specifically? You're, you're at, the question is about, um, are, is there this focus that we are going to become Seattle or that we should become Seattle? So the question is, is it oftentimes appears that the King County Council, King County is trying to follow up, follow on and one up Seattle with whatever outrageous thing they happen to do. Um, that's the complaint that I've heard. And um, I want your comments on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think any of us want to become the police right here in this panel. None of us are interested in that. Um, and uh, Seattle is its own. And there is a rhetoric. Actually, there's a rhetoric that's used out here uh, that we are not Seattle. People are trying to make us Seattle. Well, we're not Seattle. But the truth is not being something is not actually being something. And this district has grown 
so much in 20 years. And we really need our people to come together and build that stronger voice together. There are so many people that are uh, disconnected and express that over and over to me, just not connected. And, uh, and we need them to be connected. We need to pull that voice together. And that strength in that conversation builds that, builds that strength of our voice and adds to the county council conversation. It adds to being able to get those votes for our district and make sure that we retain and maintain the, the um, beauty that we are and the uniqueness that we are in our district of Issaquah, Sammamish, Redmond, and everything out to the past. It's, it's really quite an incredible space. We all have 150,000 or we have more, 159,000 votes, but I think that uh, as we have the redistricting, everything will be the same. We all have the same number and we uh, of registered voters and we all have our own unique perspectives that have to be recognized and one is not more important than the other. So Seattle uh, can do what Seattle does, and that's good for Seattle, and we don't live in Seattle, and I have no interest in living in Seattle. Uh, I'm here. I want to represent the folks that are out here because we have some really important and unique uh, things to say and to offer and point of view that actually Seattle does not, and the Bellevue does not, and that Kirkland does not, right, and Kent does not. So we have our own space, and, uh, and that's why we have the representation, to be able to retain that and maintain that. And we need a strong voice to represent that so that people feel seen and heard. All okay. of I'm going to thank you for that now and move on. I'm going to ask you to make very brief comments on my next question, if you would, like just a couple of sentences, just your off the cuff comment. Um, we have often heard over the last few years um, that King County, the rural areas, the unincorporated areas have to become sustainable. Sustainable is a word that has many different meanings. How do you view the term sustainable when it comes to unincorporated King County, Sarah? Well, we have to be able to uh, pay for our um, rural spaces. So we have one third of all of the unincorporated King County roads uh, are out in our district. So 554 miles of the, of the 1,500 miles of unincorporated road are in district three. That is very expensive to maintain. We don't, we, the, the way that we're set up to maintain those roads is a broken system. Okay. If, if, if I can interrupt, we're gonna have a specific yeah. question about the road. Oh, okay. So if you could just focus on uh, what sustainability means for the unincorporated King County areas. Oh, yeah, sustaining our rural spaces, maintaining the Growth Management Act, maintaining our zoning. I'm a purist on that, making sure we're protecting our open spaces and our forests and our water, um, making sure that we are doing everything that we can to protect, um, you know, with the federal state, all this land, this is huge space, and doing everything we can to maintain and protect um, the largest district we have in King County because it offsets all the greenhouse gases. Okay, thank you. Kathy. So um, sustainability means that we have the income coming in to meet the needs of the people. We have had two outside studies to decide what that amount is. And they said the amount is about $500 million a year. Do not have the funding sources as um, was said earlier um, from the state because there's a broken formula to be able to do all of that. We get around 110 million and we have done yeoman's work to try to get that 110 million spread as much as possible. Um, I know people say, well, we have to protect this, we have to protect that. 
The problem is we have already protected that through zoning, through contracts, through easements, and there has been no change in several decades in the land, um, the land um, demarcations. We, the, the uh, growth management lines, um, we have increased the amount of land that the county has easements Kathy, I think your audio has kind of burped here. So uh, what I'm gonna do is go on to Joe. Are you available to answer that question? Sure. Yeah. Sorry, Kathy, your audio burped, so we went to Joe. Okay. Yeah, sure, sustainability means maintaining the character of rural and unincorporated communities. And they're not all the same. Uh, and the financial considerations are one aspect of that, making sure that there's fairness in terms of the resources that are coming into unincorporated King County and touched on roads, making sure that there's fairness in terms of roads and um, making sure there's fairness in terms of zoning and people wanna live in unincorporated and rural parts of, of the county. Uh, and I think we should uh, have those spaces that people can live. Thank you for answering that. Um... One other quick question uh, that I would like a brief response to, and then we'll get into some of the issues like roads. King County Sheriff 100 years ago, or I, I'm, I'm exaggerating there, was um, uh, an appointed position. And then a few decades ago, everybody said, that's not a good idea to make your sheriff a political appointee, especially, um, well, that it's not, that's not a good idea. And so they changed it so that the sheriff became an elected official. And now this year it's been changed back. Do you see a benefit to that? And if so, what is it? If you see a detriment to that, what is it? Kathy? So I've worked in both um, with an elected and unelected sheriff. They both have pros and cons. Um, I do believe that we're in a time of change in what, what justice looks like. And we've been working on that for years at the jail um, in reducing the number of youth, for instance, in incarceration from 178 down to 17. So we've been doing a lot of different things in the entire system. So I think that as we go forth, having an, elect, an unelected sheriff that's appointed by the King County Council, it's going to be very important that the sheriff um, understand that each part of the county is different. Um, we've already talked about um, Skyway as opposed to the unincorporated areas the rural unincorporated areas want very different levels of policing. And I think being really clear, um, I'm a huge supporter of community policing where the officers are known in the community. They walk around, talk to people. Some of the officers give out their cell phone numbers so that they're seen as a vital, important part of the community and that people feel that they're safe. And that's the most important thing. Okay, thank you, Kathy. Joe. Yes. I I do believe that the, the benefits uh, outweigh the negatives when it comes to appointing. Uh, and because if you think about it, how many people are actually willing to run for office? And if you have an elected position, there's very few people out there who are willing to, to actually run for office. That means you limit the actual number of applicants if we're talking about this as a job. Uh, and if you make it appointed, you can do a national search to get the best person for the job. And I think that's uh, particularly of importance now uh, when we're going through this uh, change in, in law enforcement and getting uh, someone who is the top 
who can implement some of the reforms I think are needed in policing. For example, the legislature implemented a duty to intervene uh, when a police officer is doing something, another police officer uh, has to intervene if they're, if they're doing something wrong. Uh, that's something that's gonna be hard to change. It's a cultural change in law enforcement. So I think we need someone with it at the top uh, who's ready to implement that sort of thing. And uh, you, also if, has I can interrupt, if I can interrupt a moment, Joe, and you don't see a political appointment as having any kind of uh, bad fallout, negative consequences? Oh, sure. You know, as I said, there's benefits uh, uh, as well as uh, downsides. Uh, and the downside is obviously that the voter does not have a, the residents of, of the county don't have a direct say in, uh, in it, but they also, they also essentially do because, you know, you elect your local representatives to the King County Council, you elect the executive, and then they make the determination with a lot of community input. And that's incredibly important here, because as was mentioned, there are a lot of contract cities uh, in our district uh, who use the King County Sheriff's Office, and they must be heavily involved uh, in these decision-making uh, processes of who's going to be the next sheriff and what the duties of the sheriff's office are going to be. Okay, and Sarah. Thank you. Uh you know, we're at, we are at an inflection point. And yeah, I do think we should be electing the sheriff in the perfect world. I think right now the appointment is appropriate um, and accountability was the issue. And I think that uh, making an appointment at this point and uh, bringing someone who both has the expertise and the experience on the ground will be critical. I think strengthening- Sarah, off. I can interrupt just a moment to clarify yeah. something. Um, wasn't, didn't we vote on, um, changing the um, uh, sheriff from an election to an appointment before COVID, before all of the um, uproar right now and, and publicity and everything about the accountability of police. I believe that the actual um, voting on that was several months before anybody started talking about police accountability. Am I wrong? It was, it was Heather, but it's still an issue of accountability. So that factors into my, my perspective on why appointment makes sense. And um, I do believe that in a perfect world, we are electing our sheriff, but um, I think we have some issues that we have to address that have become more transparent. And so I, you know, the appointment makes sense to me in this, in, at this moment. Um, and I think that there's also, you know, we have an opportunity to strengthen civic uh, resident engagement. So the people that are most impacted by the sheriff's office, uh, I think have to have a stronger participation uh, in, in the um, um, engagement and, and uh, oversight and conversation about what this all looks like. If 12 laws that have passed in accountability and transparency, and that will uh, help us tremendously in this state, and it will help the sheriff's office as well. Uh, we can move forward from there and make the sheriff's office actually a model. King County Sheriff's Office can be a model for other counties and a model in the state. And right. it's exciting to have Thank that. You, Sarah. Thank you. Yep. Um, I'm looking at our clock. So um, I'm, we're going to have to make some answers pretty concise here. Two issues that I wanted to talk about, and quite honestly, we may not have time to do it um, unless we can keep our answers as brief as possible. One is homelessness. In the last year, um, <laughs> Um, the, the point in time count shows 5% increase in King County homeless people and current homeless uh, housing programs include emergency housing, uh, prevention, uh, permanent housing, etc. What do you see as helping and what do you think the current programs will do, have to do 
in order to really solve the problem. And Sarah, as long as we're here, as long as I, as I cut you off, let's have you after that. Okay, I'll, I'll keep it tight. So, you know, homelessness is a, is a huge issue and everyone deserves a safe place to live. Everyone deserves to walk in, in the streets and feel safe as well. Uh, it's attention there. And we have folks that live, you know, they first, last and deposit, they have financial needs. That's a certain set of circumstances. We're 48th in this country in mental health support services. It's appalling. Uh, so the uh, permanently supportive housing opportunities that are coming online, I think are critical for addressing that, critical for addressing alcohol and, and drug abuse addiction that also you know, focus in on self-medication for mental health sometimes and are also purely just addiction issues. So those are some solutions that I see uh, really necessary. Zoning uh, for, uh, for um, uh, more, more uh, homes together, group homes, things like that, where folks can actually have a boarding house. I think that's, we're moving in a good direction there, but we have a lot to work on. Earlier you said, uh, and I'm not gonna ask you to answer this, but I will just point out that earlier in one of your answers, you said that you want, you, maintaining zoning was important to you, but now you're saying that you would change it so, to allow more. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for asking that. Rural zoning, I would not be, you know, if we have rural zoning in unincorporated King County and you're not supposed to be putting in businesses there, I would be uh, strongly in favor of upholding the zoning laws when okay. it comes to supportive housing, this is different. Okay, Joe? Yeah, this is, this is very frustrating to me, the lack of progress on this issue, which has been going back many, many years. We had this promise made in 2005 that we'd end homelessness in 10 years. And by 2015, homelessness was at an all time high and it's even higher now. And personally, as, a, as an attorney, I've done a lot of pro bono work working with people who are the eviction process, families who are facing evictions uh, and on the brink of homelessness. It's incredibly frustrating to me. And I've also have a lot of experience with government oversight. And it's clear to me that we need a watchdog on the King County Council to actually provide some accountability when it comes to this issue. Uh, with all the money being spent and the lack of progress, there's a very real problem here. I have spent, spent six and a half years at the Department of Justice planning and then executing government oversight investigations. And I'm gonna bring that experience to the county to try and get some real results on this issue. Thank you, Joe. Kathy. Thank you. Well, there's a number of issues, but I'm gonna just say three. First of all, for the very low income, the county is buying five hotels and we have seen great progress with the people that were the most at need that were from the downtown emergency service shelter that were moved into hotels during pandemic seeing them put their lives back together and are thriving in ways that even their own counselors said they never thought um, could be. So with a very low, that is a much more appropriate setting. So people have stability where they can get stable on their medications, where they can clean themselves and do the things they need to do in a, a way that is, is good for everybody. Second thing is we need to build, build, build. The cities have just gotten their growth targets they know how many houses they need to be building, and so they need to get on it. And we are going to be having meetings in my committee to talk about some of the ways to move that faster by using uh, prefab housing and metal stud now that we have had um, such a huge increase in the cost of uh, wood going up 237%. The housing types, the third thing is the housing types. We need more types of housing 
but we need to be very careful when some people say we need to change the zoning. There are single family zoning areas and they were zoned that way with the infrastructure for the plumbing and the sewage to handle a certain amount of people. And if you're going to take and put apartment houses in areas that aren't designed for that, you better be ready for the infrastructure costs. And we have a place in the county where they put in a lot of apartments that are gorgeous, but they didn't upgrade the, the, the sewer lines. And so now we're having to go out and rip it all up um, because they didn't think about that. And so that is not okay. And we need to really be thinking about what's under the ground as well as what we're putting above the ground because I certainly don't wanna to get to the place where we say, uh, you only get to flush Monday, Wednesday, and Friday because we don't have the capacity for that. Thank you, Kathy. On that note, <laughs> we'll, we'll just leave that image in people's minds. <laughs> I'm looking at our clock. Um, I want to make two comments. One is, I believe it was Sarah who said that the issue of first last uh, first months and last month's deposits to get an apartment didn't we abandon that? Didn't was hasn't that been? Am I wrong here? It seems to me I recall that. They actually um, made that, that you can't do that now, that you don't, you're not supposed to charge first and last and uh, uh, when you rent out an apartment. It used to be that way, but, and I, and I know this because in working with domestic violence, um, it, it, you know, 20 years ago, it was a huge issue. A woman couldn't move if she didn't have first last deposit, but oh. I thought that that had been changed over the- My kids still have to have first last and deposit to move in. I don't know, Joe, did you? When? When was this? A year ago? I mean, they're living in an apartment. Well, maybe I'm wrong here, um, but I thought that, that that they couldn't do that anymore. Maybe that's only in certain municipalities. Or something. I don't crazy know. Crazy amount of money. Yeah, crazy amount of money to have to move in. And you do have to have, they, they need deposits for damage deposits. and well, that I knew that they would have to take, but those are not the same, usually a much smaller than first and last, you know, than a month's uh, rent. So, yeah, okay, I'll... Thank you for explaining that to me because I really was under the impression that that was gone. I'm looking at the clock. We are running out of time. I wanted to ask a number of questions, particularly about the roads, which are a huge issue. Um, if I may, though, as you, uh, as I pointed out at the beginning, I'm not a fan of the county. And I think that when you look at the numbers on homelessness, a lot of people, not just cranky old me, but a lot of people think, wait a minute, this money is not solving a problem. All this money is doing is creating a bureaucracy. Um, so I just throw that out to you. So uh, I, because I know I'm not the only one who thinks that way. So um, if in your candidacy and in your plans, you can think about a better way um, besides just pouring, pouring money and creating an infrastructure um, to solve the problem, it would be useful to ordinary folks like me. That being said, we've come up to our time limit. I would like to ask all three of you if we can schedule another time to tackle some of these important issues, gun violence, homelessness, roads. Um, uh, hopefully we can find something in your schedule in the next week or so where we can continue this conversation. I wanna thank you for uh, spending time with me and uh, letting me know some of your views on some of these issues. And I wanna thank you for listening. And uh, Valley Talk is a show where we try to get uh, into some lengthy discussions, and we did, and uh, we didn't finish them. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Kathy. And please uh, join, us, join us again for our next uh, interviews with the candidates for King County Council.
Thank you. Very happy to. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Valley Talk right here on Valley 104.9 FM. Thank you.